Thank you for being here. We appreciate our choir, orchestra, and also our praise man over in our contemporary service. We're blessed today to have Dr. Jerry Vines and his precious wife, Janet, with us. Dr. Vines was born in Carroll County. If you want to hear stories about him growing up, just ask Marjorie and Fred Barr. They can tell you a whole lot of tales, and he can share on them as well. Well, many of you know he pastored two times West Rome Baptist Church. He was back in the glory days of people getting saved and discipled. Then he went to Dolphin Way, and that second time he came back to West Rome Baptist. And then he was called to be co-pastor with Dr. Homer Lindsay down at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Most pastors my age and a little bit younger owe you a debt of gratitude for that pastor's conference that you held every year. That kept us encouraged and also encouraged us not to quit the ministry. And they treated us down there for five days. They started off with prime rib, a quartet, and testimonies, and some of the best Bible preaching from the best Bible scholars across America. I'll always be indebted to you and Dr. Lindsay for that. When I contacted him just a couple of months ago, he said, I'll just be glad to come. He and David Allen were here last in 2008, and they were preaching during Sunday school and then during worship and then during discipleship training on Sunday night. They were sharing with us the book of Hebrews. So I told him today, when you come, just preach whatever God places on your heart. I heard Dr. Vines in Snellville at the Georgia Baptist Preaching Conference back in November. And he was preaching a sermon entitled, Old Preachers Never Die. And when he did that, as old as I am, he really connected. And I, I thought to myself, I want to invite Dr. Vines one more time to share with you. So, those of you over in the contemporary service and over here in the traditional service, let's give Miss Janet and Dr. Vines a good Silver Creek welcome. We're going to do that. Look to the person on your right and say, you're looking good, and I'm glad you're here. Now look to the person on your left and say, you need a little work, but I'm glad you're here, too. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I need a whole lot of work, but I'm really, really glad I'm here. And when you get my age, you're glad to be anywhere. <laughs> but thank you, Pastor, for letting me come and for your gracious invitation. And, uh, you know, aren't you grateful and thankful to God for your pastor who's been with you all of these years? It's been such a blessing. And uh, aren't you thankful for Delane who writes all those good sermons that he preaches to you? Aren't you grateful for that as well? And uh, I am just delighted today to have my wife, Janet, here. She's sitting over there with Warren and Diane Jones, I think. 
gorgeous as ever. Hold your hand up, Janet, and wave so everybody know where you are. All right, back over in there somewhere. I'm glad that she's with me today. And then you'll just have to forgive me for doing a little personal reminiscing here uh, because uh, in 1968, I came to be the pastor for the first time at West Rome Baptist Church. I think I was about 31, Janet and I, 31 at the time. Uh, I, I didn't know much. Uh, I didn't even suspect much. And they called me to be their pastor because of the recommendation of Fred Barr. And so forgive me if I take just a little time here, Fred and, and Margie. I've known them a long, 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 long time. And I'll make a bargain with y'all, uh, Fred. If, if y'all won't tell all you know about me, I won't tell all I know about you. But uh, those, those two right there, they are legends in church music. I remember when the Brother Fred was our music guy uh, in the West Rome, and I, I will tell you, it just electrified this whole part of the country. People came from everywhere to hear the music that this man and uh, Margie did. And what a great blessing they have been. And I know you love them and thank God for them as well. And then your staff here, uh, you know, your, your Tom Pilcher made my day uh, today when he told me that uh, he came to Christ uh, as a boy uh, uh, when I was preaching through the book of the Revelation on a Sunday night at Rome, uh, here in West Rome, and, and he said I scared him so bad that he decided he'd better get saved. I, I'd, I'd rather scare people into heaven than lull them into hell, amen? Don't you feel that way about it? Boy, that made my day today. And uh, so thank you for this wonderful privilege. And uh, I understand that probably you're going to watch the ball game tonight. So I was going to preach until about 5. I think I'll preach till about 4. So you'll have time to get a little snack and watch the ball game and all of that jazz uh, as well. But I want you to turn in your Bible this morning to Genesis chapter 5. And uh, uh, when you get to Genesis chapter 5, I'm going to read for you these verses beginning in verse 21 and go down through 24. And you'll just follow along in your Bible as uh, I read these verses for us and keep your Bible open as we look at them together. Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Someone has called Genesis chapter 5 the uh, death chapter in the Bible. As uh, you read these verses, it's like taking a walk into a vast populated cemetery. To go down through them is like a stroll through a cold, crowded morgue. It is the death chapter in the Bible. Now, you recognize, of course, also that it, it is a genealogical chapter we begin with uh, Adam and we go all the way through Seth down to Noah. It's also history because it takes us from the fall in the Garden of Eden all the way to the flood in the days of Noah. So there is a biography here, there is a history here, 
But as we shall see, there is also theology here. Uh, As you move down through these verses, you will notice a pattern that is repeated several times. It will tell us about a person, and it will say that they lived, and then it will add this little phrase, and he died. Over and over, about eight times if I count correctly, it says about an individual, and he died. It's like the tolling of a funeral bell, and he died. It's like the squeaking wheels of a funeral carriage, and he died. Uh, It's like the dropping of dirt clods on a casket, and he died. It is the death chapter in the Bible. And did you know that little phrase right there uh, actually is a vindication of what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden? Do you remember what God said to them? He said, now you can eat of all of the trees in the garden, but this one. And in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And then, of course, the devil came along and contradicted the Lord and said, you will not surely die. It's kind of like what we face every day. Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe God. You're going to believe the devil. So who is right? And he died, and he died, and he died. Uh, The little phrase is also an illustration of our human mortality. Uh, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Someone has described life like this. Uh, it's like uh, standing on the seashores of time, and the waves of death are coming in. And a wave comes in, and it's got your grandfather's name on it, and he died. And then a wave comes in, and it's got your mother's name on it, and she died. And then one of these days, a wave will come in. It'll have your name on it or it'll have my name on it, and we will die. So it is a vindication of God's Word. And yet in the middle of this death chapter, in that phrase, and he died and he died, there is a notable exception. There is a bright light in the midst of all of this darkness. There is a word of life in the midst of all of this death. Because we are told about a man named Enoch, and it says about that man, Enoch, that he lived, but it does not say that he died. He is the notable exception in the chapter. Now, when you look at this man, Enoch, he is very interesting. And did you notice in the verses that I've read as you look down in your Bible, two times it uses a phrase about Enoch. It says about Enoch, Enoch walked with God. Do you see that? Two times in verse 22, Enoch walked with God. Again in verse 24, and Enoch walked with God. Now, there are many beautiful pictures in the Bible. One of the best ways in the world to read your Bible is to look for the pictures in the Bible. Because the pictures tell us a whole lot of truth, and and it puts our imagination to work uh, in the, the pictures. And one of the beautiful pictures in the Bible about the Christian life is the picture of walking. Do you notice that? It says he walked with God. The word walking occurs over 1,500 times in the Bible. Sometimes it refers to literal walking, but many times it refers uh, to a spiritual walking. And it is a reference of someone living their life in fellowship with God. And so we're told about Enoch. Enoch walked with God. What a beautiful, beautiful picture it is 
Enoch walked with God, and the Bible says it is possible for you and for me to walk with God on a daily uh, basis. Now, you could get a little theological here and use some big words, uh, because you see, walking uh, has basically three phrases, of three phases that compare to the three phases of salvation. You see, there are three basic phases to walking, aren't there? There is, first of all, beginning. Uh, in just a little while, uh, you will leave the building and you will go to get in your car. So you will begin your walk, walking out of this building. And then the second phase is, there is the continuing of your walk, you will continue. And then the third phase, you will finish, there is the finishing of your walk as you get to your car. Well, that's a picture of salvation, really. Did you know you can be biblically correct by saying, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I'm going to be saved? Now, the big theological words for that are uh, justification, I have been saved, a sanctification, I'm being saved, and then glorification, one day I will be saved. So that's what I want to talk about a little this morning. I want to talk about walking with God. And my desire uh, in, in this message is that if you know Christ and have begun that walk with the Lord, that you begin, may begin to walk with God on, on a daily basis uh, like you have never walked with him before. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, I, I hope that before this service is over, you will begin to have this wonderful experience of walking with God in a salvation experience. So now here's what I want to do. I want to make it just as simple for us as I possibly can. And so basically, I'm going to make three statements in my message this morning. Statement number one, Enoch walks in. That's the beginning of the Christian life. Statement number two Enoch walks on, that's uh, the continuing of the Christian life. And then statement number three, Enoch walks out, and that is the finishing of the Christian life. So let's uh, go to the beginning now. Enoch walks in. It says, Enoch walked with God. And now, as you read, if you read Genesis 4 and Genesis 6, you will discover that Enoch was living in a, an apostate day. It was a godless day. And evidently, for the first 65 years of his life, he lived just like everybody else lived. He lived in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 2 life. He was walking uh, according to the course of this world. Uh, he, he was on a worldly path. You know, there is a worldly path. Jesus talked about it. Uh, Jesus said, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which walk in thereat. And so evidently for 65 years of his life, he lived his life just like everybody else around him lived. Uh, and uh, if you will look at Genesis 4 and 6 sometime, uh, that, that envelopes uh, Genesis 5, uh, you will see what kind of culture or society it was in which Enoch lived. It, it was remarkable in many ways. Uh, it was a time of uh, industry. 
uh, a time of commerce. Uh, it was a time of music. Uh, it was a time of religion. Uh, it was remarkable in many ways. And when you read about Enoch's day, you just can't help but see the parallels to the day in which we live. Uh, for instance, it was and it is now a time uh, of social disruption. Uh, in Genesis chapter 4, uh, we're told about a man named Lamech. Uh, I call him the first gangster rapper because he said, if you mess with me, I'll kill you. And you know, Janet and I watch the same news uh, in the evening that you do here, the Atlanta News. And every day there is a murder here, there is a hijacking here, there is a rape here, there is a robbery here. And it was a day of great uh, violence. It, it, it was a day of domestic discord. Uh, he was a polygamist. He had uh, turned love into lust. And uh, think about all of the turmoil we're having in America today. In my own lifetime, we've gone all the way from Leave It to Beaver to the Cardassians. The whole family is in trouble. It was a time of social disruption. Perversions uh, abounded. And uh, so it is today, uh, perversions. What used to slink down, uh, slink uh, in the back alleys of society, now march on the main streets of our day. And they occupy places, high places in government. They stand in our pulpits today. It is a day of great perversions. So it was a time of social disruption, but uh, it was also a time of economic confusion. When you get on over into the sixth chapter, uh, we're told uh, in, in the fifth verse that every imagination of the thoughts of man were only evil continually. People were in social and emotional upheaval. Uh, this is the day uh, of the psychologist and the psychiatrist, and there's certainly a valid place for that if it's in the context of a biblical worldview. People are all messed up, and they need uh, help and counseling uh, how confused we are in our day. I, I heard about a man who, uh, who had uh, uh, decided he was going to commit suicide and he got out on the edge of the pier and he was, was going to jump off of the end of the pier and commit suicide. And so they sent a psychologist out there to see him and he sat and talked with him a little while. In a little while, they both jumped off the pier. I mean, everybody's messed up today. Uh, it, it was a time of, of spiritual rebellion. Uh, in Genesis 6, verse 3, God said, my spirit will not always strive with a man. God was calling out to man. God was appealing to man, and yet men were ignoring the calls of God. Now, it was not an atheistic day. It's not that people in that day didn't believe there was a God. Just the opposite, it was a polytheistic day. They believed that there were many gods. Here God, there God, everywhere a God, a God. Our day is not an atheistic day either. For the most part, it's polytheistic too. We've got all kinds of isms that ought to be wasms, uh, oriental mysticisms, and uh, New Age legalisms and, uh, and uh, Middle Eastern legalisms and New Age extremisms, all 
in the name of pluralism. It was a day of religion, and our day is a day of religion, but it is a religion that is devoid of a personal experience with God. So for 65 years, that's the kind of life that this man Enoch was living. And then yet look at our passage this morning. After 65 years, it says Enoch walked with God. Now watch this phrase. After he begat his boy Methuselah. You know, more than one man has started walking with God, has given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the birth of a little boy or a little girl. There may be some man, some woman sitting in this room today, and God has blessed you with a little child. Is that not enough to wake you up and to give you a desire to know the Lord and to walk with God, to be an example? Oh, if you're not walking with God, what after is it going to take in your life? Is it going to take some tragedy? Is it going to take some rejection? Is it going to take some failure? What after is it going to take to get you to begin to give your life to the Lord and live for the Lord? And so somewhere along the way, we're not given the details. We don't know exactly how it was. But somehow along the way, God broke through the pagan darkness of Enoch and communicated to Enoch, Enoch, there's a better way to live life than this and a better destination than where you're headed. You remember over in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, the Bible says, uh, can two walk together except they be agreed? And somehow, in some way, God and Enoch got in agreement. Somehow God said to Enoch, Enoch, you're a great sinner. Enoch said, oh, God, I agree. And God said, Enoch, I'm a great Savior. He said, oh, God, I agree. And he said, Enoch, you can have a great salvation. And he said, oh, God, I agree. And by faith, he received the Lord into his life. He repented from his sins. He gave his heart and his life to the Lord. He got on the heavenly way that leads to glory. Have you walked in? That's what it means. That's the beginning of the Christian life. Have you walked in? Oh, I remember it quite well. Fred and I were brought up in the same uh, church, went to the same high school. I was in middle school. He was a senior, I think. I mean, he's much older than I am, but... but uh, <laughs> But we went to the same church, and on a Sunday night, sitting on the second row where that empty seat is right there, someone with a crown on his head and a cross on his back came walking in, and he stopped at my pew, and he said, young man, what can I do for you? And as a nine-year-old boy, I said, oh, Lord, do for me what I cannot do for myself. I repented of my sins. I invited Christ into my heart. And in that Sunday night, I walked in. Have you walked in? Oh, the good news is you can begin today. You can begin to walk with God and you can walk in. That's the beginning of the Christian life. And all of God's people said what? Amen. 
But now then, uh, there's a second phase uh, to this uh, walking with God. Uh, The second phase, Enoch walks on, and and that's the continuing uh, of the Christian life. Now, the the big theological word for it is sanctification. Uh, in, In other words, it is that daily walking with God, living for the Lord on a daily basis. That involves several things. Uh, If you're going to live for the Lord, there there are several things that are possible or that are necessary in order to do it. Uh, Do I speak to some Christian here today and you say, Preacher, I I want to live a a life closer to the Lord and and, and I want to walk with God on a daily basis. I want to live for the Lord on my job. I want to live for the Lord uh, in my school. I I want to be the kind of person that that I ought to be. If you listen very, very carefully, I'm going to share with you how you can walk on with God on a daily basis. You say, well, you know, preacher, you just can't do it in our day. I will grant that we're living in very difficult days it's not easy uh, for people to live for the Lord today, but, but uh, don't say it can't be done because here is a man named Enoch and, and he walked with God for 300 years in a godless society. And, and what are the exhortations in the New Testament about if you can't do it? Take the book of Ephesians. Read the book of Ephesians sometime and, and you will notice that there's an emphasis there on walking. It says, Uh, Walk worthy of the vocation whereof you are called. Uh, And and then it says walk in love. And then it says walk as children of light. And it says walk circumspectly. You can do it. You say, well, how to do it, preacher? Let let me just quickly uh, just give you some things you need to do if you want to walk with God. First thing you've got to do is to begin the day getting in fellowship with God. You know, that Amos 3.3 I quoted a minute ago, can two walk together except they be agreed? That word agreed there could be translated make an appointment. Can two walk together except they make an appointment? Now, if you want to walk with God every day, you need to make an appointment with God at the beginning of the day. You say, well, preacher, how do you do that? Well, 1 John 1.7 said, if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from sin. So what you do is you you start off the day by getting yourself in the light. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? How do you get in the light? Psalm 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you have a time where you start the day off reading the Bible? You see, when you read the Bible, God's talking to you. And then after you read your Bible, you pray and you're talking to God. Y'all are getting in fellowship. You're getting in step with one another. So let me encourage you to have a daily time where you read your Bible, read a little bit in your Bible, and then pray, and, and you get in fellowship in step with God. That's the, that's, uh, the, the beginning of, of the day. But then here, here's the next thing. Now, you hold on to your, your chair. It's going to make some of you uncomfortable now. 
If you get in step with God, that means you're going to be out of step with this old world. Can you imagine how Enoch stuck out in that day walking with God? Enoch's life was like a white lily on a dung pile. Can you imagine the temptations they poured on old Enoch? Hey, Enoch, want to go to this dirty movie with us? No, 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 I'm, I'm walking with God. Hey, Enoch, you want, you want to go to our beer party? No, I, I'm walking with God. Enoch wants us to get you a date with sexy Sally. Oh, no, I'm, I'm walking with God. See, there is a negative. Uh, the Bible talks about separation. Now, I know when you use the word separation, it causes a lot of Baptists to break out with hives. I understand that. I mean, uh, and, but, but there is a negative uh, in, in this walking with God. If you're going to walk with God, there are some things that you ought not to do. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says this. It says that we are to uh, separate ourselves uh, unto God. Wherefore, it says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Any books you need to throw away over at your house? Any websites you need to block? on your computer, any habits that you need to get out of your life. There are some things that you're going to have to give up. You know, the, the more I think about it, though, actually, there's not a lot of things you have to give. Did you know the only thing you have to give up really to walk with God? It's sin. That's all you got to give up is sin. You say, well, that's the problem right there, preacher, is my sin. I'm enjoying my sin too. Oh, you enjoying your sin? That reminds me of a guy that's got a big old growth under his arm. Somebody comes along and says, what's that under your arm? He said, oh, that's my cancer. Your cancer? Yeah, it's my cancer. Well, man, that thing's growing under your arm. If, if, you, don't, if you just keep letting it be there and don't get rid of it, it's going to kill you. Oh, well, I know it. I know it's killing me, but, but oh, I, I'm just got so accustomed. Sweet little old cancer. Huh? You're sin. That's what's keeping you from being the man or the woman you want to be. Sin. That's what's messing up your family. Sin. That's what's keeping you from being a person walking with God every day. There's a negative. But that word separate has a positive connotation also. Paul uses the identical word in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, where he says, I'm an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. See, Bible separation means there are some things you separate from, but there is someone you separate to. <laughs> when I was a boy, we had a lot simpler pleasures than people do today. When I was a boy, the biggest thing going, preacher, was marbles. Now, kids, a marble is a little round thing like that right there. And then you had a, Eddie, had a big old tall. 
and, and you would use your, you would, you would draw a circle in the dirt, put the marbles in there, and, and then you would shoot that tall and, and knock the marbles out. You say, preacher, did you play for keeps? That's none of your business. I'm preaching this sermon. You, man, that was my life. I was over there at College Street Grammar School in Carrollton, Georgia. Fred went to Maple Street, probably where all the rich kids went, but us poor folks. <laughs> but I mean, man, I was the school marble champion. But that wasn't all. I was going to be Carrollton's marble champion. Oh, it's bigger than that. I was going to be the state of Georgia marble champion. I had greater ambitions than that. I was going to get on jet airplanes and fly all over. I was going to be the worldwide marble champion. It was my life. And then one day, some bigger boys in school came by, and I was down there in the dirt with my marbles. And they said, hey, Vines, can you hit a baseball? I said, I certainly can. They said, well, we need a first baseman. How about you come in and play in? I left my marbles in the dirt. I've never been back because I found something far better. Dear friend, you're not going to give up anything to live for Jesus. You're like a person walking along with gravel in their pockets, and somebody comes along and says, hey, if you'll give me your gravel, I'll give you this gold in its place. I go through airports a lot now, you know, preaching, traveling around. Those dear security people, they'll say, how you doing? I say, I'm so happy. I feel guilty. I'm not more unhappy. Every day with Jesus is what? Sweeter than the day before. Oh, it's great to walk with God. But then there's something else. Not only begin your day with a devotion and not only live a daily basis of separation, but uh, then uh, the, the third thing is, is you're to live a life of, of proclamation. You've, you've got a message. Uh, Enoch is mentioned three times uh, in the Bible. He, he stands on the Bible stage three times. Well, the first one is in Genesis 5 that I read to you. Second time's in Hebrews 11 where we're told that he uh, walked by faith. Uh, and then the third time is Jude 14 and 15 where it tells us that Enoch was a preacher. And you know what Enoch preached? He preached the Lord is coming. He preached the coming of the Lord. What a message. Now, the Bible said Jesus is coming again, but we don't know when it's going to be. In fact, Jesus says specifically, nobody knows the day or the hour. You remember back, some of you old timers, back in 1988, some guy wrote a book, 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Again in 1988. Turns out he was wrong 88 times. I mean, nobody knows. Now, I know when he... He's not going to come. Jesus is not going to return on Friday morning. Because Friday morning is Janet's hair day, and if she ain't got her hair done, she ain't going up. <laughs> oh, she's already outfoxed me on that one, though. She says, Amanda is a Christian, my hairdresser. She's going to fix me on the way up. Okay. <laughs> 
You see, as we're walking, living this Christian life, we've got a message to share with people. Uh, you remember the great uh, commission uh, in Matthew uh, where the, the Lord said, go ye therefore, it's walking. As you are going, literally, go ye therefore, as you are going, make disciples, win people to cry. Your pastor told me that they're getting ready to build 900 homes across the street here somewhere. Pleasant Valley South Baptist Church, when those houses get built and people leave it living in them, you are responsible to knock on the door of every one of those houses and tell those precious people about Jesus. Can I have an amen right there? And if you don't do it, you're accountable for their souls. So Enoch walks in. That's the beginning of the Christian life. Enoch walks on. That's the continuing of the Christian life. And then the third thing is Enoch walks out. That's the finishing of the Christian life. You see what your passage says, don't you? Verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Here's old Enoch, he's just walking with the Lord on a daily basis, and then all of a sudden, he's gone. One minute, he's in time and space. In the next minute, he is in eternity and glory. He was here, and then he was there. And Hebrews adds a little phrase there. It says he was not found. You know what that means? That means they looked for him and they couldn't find him. Don't you and I want to so live that when we're gone, we'll be missed? You know, in the Old Testament, there's a man named Nabal. His name meant fool and a fool indeed he was. And when David, King David, heard that Nabal had died, David said, bless the Lord. I'm glad he's dead. Wouldn't you hate to live in such a way that when you die, everybody said, we're glad they're gone. And then in the New Testament, we're told about a precious deacon named Stephen. And when Stephen died, the Bible says, devout men, the best men in the community, carried him to his bed. Now, I don't know exactly how this happened with Enoch. We're not given any details. We're just saying that he was not, he was not found because God took him. We don't know exactly how that transpired for Enoch, but we do know how it's going to happen for us. We're going to finish this Christian walk in, in one of two ways. We're either going to die and be resurrected, or we're going to be alive and raptured or caught up when the Lord comes. Now, we may die. I had a friend a few years ago call me and said, have you bought your burial plot yet? 
I said, bought my what? Your burial plot. I said, no. I said, I'm thinking about borrowing one. I won't need it long. I do know where I want to be buried, though. I want to be buried at Walmart. <laughs> that way, Janet will come see me two times every week. <laughs> She's sitting over there. I'm in deep trouble, folks. I mean, <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Darling, I'm just kidding. We may die. We may experience death. But let me give you a beautiful promise. You remember that beautiful Psalm 23? You remember what it says? Yea, though I what? Walk what? Through the valley of the shadow of death. I used to hear my old dad around the house singing this old song, I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Jesus died all my sins to atone. When the darkness I see, he'll be waiting for me. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Maybe resurrection. Or it may be rapture. That's kind of what happened to Enoch. Enoch kind of got a, a little preview of the rapture before the rapture. God, God took him. And, and, and the Bible says that, that if we are alive when the Lord comes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first, resurrection, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. You know, y'all still listening? If your husband's dozed off, punch him. He, he needs this. When I was a young preacher, I used to say some stupid things. Come to think of it, now that I'm an old preacher, I say some stupid things, but I used to say, you know, when I, was young, I said, I, I don't know if I had rather be dead when the Lord comes and feel the kick when I come out uh, of the dirt or be alive when the Lord comes and just be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The older I have become, the more appealing rapture has been for me. Think about it. Just get raptured. <laughs> Woo, won't that be glorious? Just, Enoch just, he just walks out. We'll just walk out one of these days. Just think of taking a hand and finding it's God's. Breathing new air and finding it celestial. Of waking up in glory. And finding it home. And the walk will be over. I guess you've heard it. The little girl's explanation, they ask her in Sunday school to tell the story of Enoch in her own words. And the little girl said, Enoch and God used to go on walks together. And sometimes Enoch and God would go down into a low valley and look at the lush green grass and the beautiful flowers. 
And then sometimes Enoch and God would climb a tall mountain together and God would show Enoch the billions and the billions of the stars and the planets. And one day, God and Enoch were walking and they walked and they walked and they walked. And God said, Enoch, it's closer to my house than it is to your house. Why don't you just come on in and spend the night with me? And Enoch walked in and he stayed forever for there's no night there. Now listen to me. Just like Enoch, one of these days, God's going to take you. One of these days, old death's going to knock at your door. And if you know Jesus, if you have walked in, and you know Jesus as your personal Savior, death will be driving a limo that will carry you on the glory road to heaven. But dear one, if you don't know Jesus, death will be driving a garbage truck that will carry you to hell, the garbage dump of the universe. If before the night comes today, the knock came at your door, would you be carried to heaven or would you be carried to hell? Could we bow our heads in prayer? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Has there been a time in your life when you repented of your sins, asked God to forgive you of your sins and invite Jesus to come into your heart and be your personal Lord and Savior. If there has been that time, would you lift your hand all over the room and in the contemporary service, lift your hand all the way up if that's happened in your life. That's right, just all over the room, just lift up your hand for a moment. Thank you, you may put it down. Here's what I want to do for you this morning. I'm going to give all of you who have lifted your hand and know the Lord, I'm going to give all of you the invitation when we stand in a moment to just come and maybe kneel here at the front or on these first steps of these first chairs and just have a brief prayer of commitment and commit yourself to begin to walk with God on a daily basis. Maybe you need to begin a time to begin to read your Bible and pray every morning. I'm going to ask you to come and make that commitment in just a brief prayer and then go back to your place. But there may be those of you and you can't say you've received Jesus. You can't say you've asked Jesus to come into your life and be your Savior. 
but you would like to. In just a moment, we're going to stand. The pastor will be here. Others will be here to receive you. And if you would like to walk in this morning, begin the Christian life, just come down and, and say to whoever receives you here or in the other service, I want to be saved this morning. Just say, I want to be saved. That's all you need to say, and they'll help you from there. Our Father, move now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we all stand all over the room? And on the very first word of the first stanza, I'm going to ask you to step into the aisle and come and do what God's impressed on you to do in response to the invitation. Come quickly now while they sing.